0: Welcome back to Ravens Recap. The Ravens took care of the Bengals, winning in 27-3. to I was looking for that shutout, but man, the defense, they played unbelievably well in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the defense Ravens fans were waiting for all season. There was a lot of sacks, some turnovers, and what probably should have been a shutout, but, you know, still only giving up three points, hey, The defense came and and did their their duty.
0: Yeah, it was the last drive of the game. And honestly, they ran so much on that drive. It was kind of shocking. It was clear that they were sick and tired of having Burrow get killed. And uh, just like, all right, we're going to just run the ball. And then on fourth down, we'll kick a field goal because that matters. (laughs) Like, I I mean, they were losing by 27 points. I don't even understand. But whatever. (laughs) Get some reps for the kicker. Yeah,
2: hey, I mean, not everybody's as automatic as Justin Tucker, so even the, uh, you know, even those kickers over there could use some practice. But I, I don't blame the Bengals for that. They have a lot of things that they could improve on. Unfortunately, it, you know, it wasn't the high-scoring affair that uh, that our guest, our guest Justin, uh, on the last week's show wanted it to be. But you know what? I, I, I definitely impressed. I think from Burrow, um, that guy was. He just needs an O-line man. I mean, he's got some weapons. He can be really dangerous. It's just the uh, Baltimore pass thrust was just, just too much for him, putting him on the ground too much. But, I mean, he's got an arm. There were some throws that he was really close to making. Just guys couldn't get open, didn't get the time. But he's going to be good. I'm looking forward to that matchup when uh, the Bengals finally get no line. It's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, there's going to be some real quarterback duels between Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow in the future. This was... Obviously the, the we know, playing the Bengals every year whenever a team goes into Cincinnati, they play Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. That's kinda kinda their uh their slogan. But on Sunday it was Welcome to the NFL, Joe Burrow, and he got really rude awakening of what happens when a quarterback comes into a game and they hold the football too long and there was a lot of growing pains in that game for him, but it wasn't just because he was making rookie mistakes. I think also the Ravens just did the best job of executing the game plan that they did all year.
0: Yeah, that offensive line was total Swiss cheese. I don't even think he held on to the ball too long most of the time. There were a couple plays where he held on a little too long, and that actually resulted in the uh, the time that Peters knocked the ball out on his sack. You just stepped up from a blitzing Peters he's going to get back pretty quick. He's not a defensive lineman who has to like, you know, change direction for a while. what you do it, man? But other than that, I, I mean, I don't know half the time he was getting tackled before he even had a chance to drop back. I was shocked. They didn't do more shotgun. Like, <laughs> like they, they couldn't catch up, pick a pass rush uh, to save their lives. He was pressured. I think more than he uh, wasn't, I think he was pressured for over 50% of the plays. I and mean, it was pretty remarkable just how porous that offensive line was. And, and, and not to discredit, though, the great work of the Ravens' defensive line. I mean, we actually got three of our sacks when just rushing four defenders.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the success is probably a combination from, you know, just the, the Bengals' O-line being kind of as advertised. and It's just not very good. They definitely need some more depth on that line. But I think the Ravens just executed really well. I'm actually really curious. I, I'd really like to compare the Chiefs' game to To this game, um, because it you know it's it's one of those things where you know um, Wink looks really good when he's blitzing all these different corners and, and people that you wouldn't want to normally blitz, like Marlon Humphrey got a sack, Jimmy Smith got a sack, Marcus Peters got a sack, <laughs> like and it worked really well today. I don't think anybody complained about that, but when it happened during the Chiefs, a lot of people complained about it. I think part of that is probably the Chiefs' lines a little bit better. I think part of it was that the Ravens maybe didn't execute as well, but this game they did. And you can see exactly why Wink wants to have all these different types of plays in the playbook It because when used properly and when executed properly can honestly really do some damage.
1: Yeah, I think saying the Chiefs offensive line is a little bit better than the Bengals might be a, an understatement, but you're 100% right. This is the same stuff they were trying to do against the Chiefs that just, they weren't able to complete the sacks. So, you know, you can look at it at two ways. You can look at it as maybe the Ravens better at executing it two weeks later the question still out there is this type of defense still going to work against an elite quarterback obviously Patrick Mahomes when the Ravens blitz the corners ripped that apart and just because that worked against Joe Burrow doesn't necessarily well more than not necessarily it really doesn't prove at all how it's going to do against a, a Roethlisberger or you know when they presumably play Holmes Mahomes again but I still think you got to look at it as a positive for the Ravens still going out there and performing. They've had matchups this season where we thought they could rack up the sacks against Houston and then against Washington both times. what well, They got three sacks both times, if I'm not mistaken. Certainly not seven. So you can look at that and say, okay, that was a rookie quarterback. But you can also look at it and say, well... The previous two times the Ravens had a seemingly cupcake offensive matchup, they didn't do this. So that's an improvement there.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the only improvement I think we can really draw from it is like, oh, when the ball's put on a tee, the Ravens can hit a home run. I that, Okay. Like, it's not... I, don't get too excited, guys. Right? Like, this is cool. I, it was fun to watch, but you have to remember the opponent. And that's that's the bummer, right? Like, against really good teams, if you fail, in a way, you're like, well... They're a really good team. Like, they executed really well against a bad team. It's like, well, they're a really bad team, <laughs> and they they don't have the, the talent. I, I do want to point out, I think this is kind of remarkable. We were talking about how all these corners were getting uh, sacks. Well, so did the safeties. That meant five defensive backs had a sack, and uh, Kevin Cusick reported that has never happened before. <laughs> the re- previous record was a Packers game in the playoffs of four. So uh, the record went from three to five in the regular season which is Yeah, I saw that. That was literally, amazing. Literally nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Wink should uh, try to break his own record next time and get like uh <laughs> another uh, corner going on the blitz. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's amazing. And and the other thing the other thing too is like man it wasn't just the secondary that was having a really good game. I know we've kind of ragged on these guys uh, the first couple of weeks because we haven't seen them break off on the stat sheet. But I got to be honest Judon had a really good game against the uh, washington football team and uh i think he really continued that this week uh he looked like a madman of just all out hustling on every play like the the effort was definitely shown and i think part of it is probably he being a little uh a little pissed off i think the fan base maybe a little bit of the media for ragging into him a little bit he's like hey i'm a damn good player and i'm gonna play like it and you guys are gonna see that
0: (laughs) well he has to for that contract you know that's the the bummer of the franchise tag Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He does. But yeah, you know, he unfortunately he didn't uh, get one, but he was pretty close to a lot of that, and I think his uh, his effort was definitely a big reason why they were so so successful. But but also, I, I don't know about you guys, but pretty much all the outside linebackers, I saw some pretty good things from. Pernell McVie, obviously. I mean, he actually. I think he racked up a sack uh, in the game. He had a lot of tackles. Um, He actually did really well. Judon, like I said, did really well. I thought Bowser also too. Bowser and and Ferguson also showed a lot of hustle. Uh, Were pretty good setting the edge. Yes. Uh, There were a couple of plays that I noticed from Bowser where I was like, okay, all right, like I haven't seen this from you consistently, like you know, the years prior, but now, like, okay, I, I get why the Ravens kept you around. I get why you're here in year four. But uh yeah, overall, just I was really happy with how that position group performed.
0: There were a couple times that Mixon had an alley, and if it wasn't for a fantastic edge set, right, Ferguson and, and Bowser both they, they they were in perfect position. otherwise it was going to be game over they were he was slicing us for 20, 30 yards. and uh, that's the kind of plays you love to see because you're playing a defense sometimes that allows for that you have to perfectly execute and they did that uh yesterday
1: yeah and i mean you're talking about names that are guys we've been wanting to see step up for a while now uh ferguson and, and bowser and they showed today that they're at least capable of doing it against a poor offensive line hopefully they can build on that for more games to come in the future. I will say I was surprised to not really see the Bengals attempt too many screen passes against this defense after, you know, they saw the Washington football team get like 60% of their offense against that a year (laughs) the previous week, but I guess that was their game plan.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess they got a couple of guys that they could do it with. I mean, Boyd's got a little bit of speed. I don't know about Higgins. I don't know if uh, they've used Higgins too much, too often on uh, on screen passes. I imagine Mixon could probably do it as well. He's a little bit shifty. Bernard is all Bernard's also yeah. another one that probably would have worked really well with. But both uh, yeah, running backs. yeah, both the running backs. Yeah, that is a little surprising, but I mean, I'm I'm sure the Bengals wanted to kind of you know, implement their offenses as they've been playing with it and not change it up too much. I mean, you know, even though Burrow was a number one overall pick, he's still a rookie. He's got stuff to learn. You know, you don't want to throw too many things at him at once. But I don't know. The Ravens can't really control that. That was totally up to the Bengals. And, you know, the offense that they put on the field, fortunately, was uh, not very good against the defense that we called. So,
0: <laughs> well, we've talked enough about their LSU player. Let's talk about ours, Patrick Queen. Who, boy. This man, he was uh, racking up the highlight reel, defensive rookie of the year. Uh, Considerations are flowing around Twitter. That was a fun one. You know, Rachel finally got her queen jersey. She was watching the game, and uh, it was hilarious being like, I did good. (laughs) I scored a touchdown. (laughs) And it was kind of a perfect game. I also got my Marlon Humphrey jersey in. Uh, Those two players both decided to really light it up against the Bengals.
1: Yeah, well, Humphrey's taking the the opposite approach of what you, you worry about when you give a player a big contract. You worry that, okay, now they've got their money, they might slack off a bit because they're financially secure. But Humphrey, ever since getting that contract, he's taken his play even to an even higher level, if that's possible. Forced fumbles on the past back-to-back weeks and just didn't let Tyler Boyd get anything for the Bengals going uh only four catches for 42 yards for Boyd and it really the the Bengals were never a threat through the air all game and that you know goes to Humphrey's credit as well as uh Peters and Chuck Clark you know just continuing to to do their job and just be shut down secondary. I'll okay, I'll get back to Queen the second but while we're on
2: the topic of Humphrey I love Gannon's call talking about the play where Humphrey got that force fumble of just It's just an amazing play to look at of just the the physical strength and stamina, and and not only just the accuracy of Marlon's like right hand, man. It's just so accurate at like finding the football. It's like a magnet, right? But just the ability to stop the receiver, tackle him with kind of one arm and then just punch it out with the other. It's just amazing. Exactly like you said, Peter. It's just he... (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to worry about this man with the new contract he is playing like he has deserved it and then some very very happy what you know uh, Marlon was
1: able to do for this game yeah it is interesting if you look at him and compare him to past Ravens ball hawks he's really not in a ball hawk in the sense of he's going to get you a lot of interceptions like Ed Reed Dwayne Starks or even Chris McAllister but he is a ball hawk in the sense that just as good as those guys were at forcing interceptions that's him forcing fumbles is what it's been. I mean, he, he did it a lot last year and he's continuing it this year, which is really interesting because I can't, you can't think of too many guys off the top of your head where like, that's a skill that they can do on a consistent basis. I think that's a really underrated skill that I don't know how much mu- well that's known among the, the national fan base. But I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's definitely an underrated skill that he's excels at.
2: Yeah, I mean the biggest comparison in the NFL that a lot of people will go to would be Peanut Tillman, uh, who hasn't played in a while, but he was also really good at uh, forcing fumbles. But yeah, other than that, as far as the Ravens, I, I don't, I can't think of a good comparison. I mean, I know Trell Suggs forced a lot of fumbles, but he's a pass rusher, so it's not the same, uh, same comparison there. But the other thing with Marlon too is that he definitely, I think, is making himself known for forcing fumbles, but he, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a bad uh interceptor like he has been in a few situations where he just happens to be in the right place right time and was able to make a play on the ball not as often and and probably not as flashy i think as as some of his forced fumbles but he's definitely could be in that position but you know it, it also hurts when you have marcus peters on the other side of the field who also is known for making acrobatic interceptions so but that's definitely a good point. He uh he's a ball magnet. Maybe not a ball hawk. I don't I don't know if there's a uh, difference in, in those phrases here, but if not, I'm
0: going to call him just gonna say a <laughs> ball magnet. I don't care how you get the turnovers, it's about doing it. Marlon Humphrey has the best, like you said, right hook in the league. His man's force and fumbles like crazy. And I just remember when he got picked uh, 16th overall in the 2017 draft. We kind of all looked at each other and were like, "Who?" Cuz no one was really talking about him. But he was the first cornerback off the off the board, and it's been phenomenal. A great Aussie pick.
2: Yeah, I think we were also looking at that pick too. We're like, we've got Jimmy Smith. Why do we need this guy? <laughs> now we, never, know.
1: we need OJ Howard. Where's OJ Howard? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it, that
0: was the one. I, I, I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago. It was like uh, Ruben Foster was the other Alabama guy that people had tied to us. And also O.J. Howard. But no, we were like, got to get Money Marlowe.
1: Man. Well, as much as we could talk about uh, Marlon Humphrey all night, I guess we can should get back to the original topic, which was Patrick Queen, who recovered two of the, of the fumbles that were forced yesterday, including Marlon's, which he ran back for a touchdown. And I don't even think that was the best play he made of the day. You got to look at, he also made that, Sack behind Burrow, where Burrow had no idea that he was coming behind him. Forced the fumble there and recovered his own fumble. And then there's maybe a more underrated play that, uh, Chris, you pointed out in our chat when it happened really early in the game. Where it was third down and Burrow was moving up like he was going to run for it off the left side. And Queen had perfect pursuit and just closed down with his speed and made sure that play didn't go for a first.
2: Yeah, I definitely did call that play. Um, And actually, funnily enough, the coach's film is out today, and I watched some of it, and I watched that play because I wanted to see one thing of, you're correct to point out, Peter, yes, I I recognize that play because of Queen's speed, his closing speed. We did not have a linebacker on the roster last year that would have been able to meet Burrow on the edge and force him to throw that in completion. Even during, you know, this year with the Chiefs game, Queen was off the field sometimes or he was out of position, you would just see Mahomes roll out of the pocket and then run for five yards, pick up the first down, and then keep the chains moving. That would happen all the time last year because we did not have a linebacker with the speed to do that. Queen has that speed. And just seeing them run toward the field and actually force Burrow to not be able to pick up the first down with his legs was absolutely huge. Uh, huge, huge play. But I went and rewatched it again because I wanted to see one thing of, did Queen just rush to that on purpose, not like forgetting his assignment on the back end. Or maybe did he do it knowing that he had help in the back end. And I, I choose to believe that he probably did it knowing that he was free to do so. Like he there wasn't anybody in the zone. Because I think if you were looking, it was a, I think it was a three-man route. And I think they were had the, I think it was Boyd on the edge where Burrow threw the incompletion. And then I think there was somebody else down that same sideline. And then there was somebody in like center field. And I think Jimmy Smith was covering him. And maybe if Burrow had looked toward the left, maybe they have gotten it over them. But I don't even think Queen could have made a play on the ball, even if he was in back in that zone, because he would have had to been like 20 yards back or something. But there's really nobody in the middle of the field. And so I looked at that, I'm like, hey, that not only was a good play for you to stop the first down, but it was good because you didn't leave anybody wide open behind you. So like I said, man, I'm excited for this guy. I, I know he, he's got some learning to do coverage on the back end, but he's just so electric man it's just <laughs> one of the most one of the more exciting players at the linebacker position that the ravens have had in a pretty long time i'd say at least like i mean cj mosley was was dynamic i don't know if he was as dynamic as queen
0: in some ways he was in some ways he wasn't i don't remember anyone being this exciting because i i wasn't around watching when uh, ray lewis started to start playing for the first time as a rookie you know so I didn't I wasn't watching yet. I was I was too young. I was four. <laughs> so this is this is honestly the first time I've seen just remarkable, remarkable play. Super exciting. It seems like the sky's the limit for this guy. So I'm so excited, like we talked about last week, if you know Calais Campbell in all his discipline can teach Queen the same level of discipline, he might be one of the greatest ever play. I mean it's just it's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting very excited
2: as well. I mean, yeah, and the national media has to be taking notice. I mean, people are talking now Defensive Rookie of the Year for a reason, right? I mean, he's already had a ton of tackles, but now he's making a lot of plays, a lot of a couple of sacks now, a couple of forced fumbles, now a TD return. So yeah, I mean, if he keeps his pace up, I mean, he will have a very, very strong argument for Defensive Rookie of the Year for sure. Well, I think another guy we should talk about. He didn't jump off on the stat sheet as much, but it was really nice to see him play. Uh, Justin Matabuke finally came back from his injury and and played about thirty snaps, I believe. Overall, I thought it was it was fairly good for the rookie. I think he finished with a couple of tackles. I I think specifically he provided a little bit of additional rotation for uh, Campbell Wolf and Williams, uh, just to kind of like share the snaps a little bit more easily with that. I can't say that. He stood out too much, at least from from my initial watch on on any particular area, whether it's run stuffing or, or pass rush. But we almost had a shutout, guys. So it's like you know, I don't think anything anyone was particularly bad this game. But I'm excited to see what he can do moving forward because I know we were all really excited about him uh, when we drafted this guy in the third round.
0: Yeah, Harbs gave him credit during the presser today. Said that he played a good game uh, and that he was excited to see him you know begin to contribute. It was interesting that the Ravens seemed to put a lot of trust in him because they didn't elevate uh, Washington or Ellis, who had a good amount of playing time in the previous four games. And uh, he did get at least one QB hit uh, in that early part of the game uh, on one of his first couple snaps. So that was good. But yeah, like you said, like nothing huge flashed off the screen, but an overall solid performance for your first NFL game that's not that's not bad either that's that's honestly about all you can ask for for a third rounder
2: yeah i do think it is was a little surprising that they deactivated ellis i guess yeah i guess we activated manabuke and oh you know what it probably was we brought in additional safety i think it was mark marcus gilchrist i think number 33 i yeah. think we activated him which actually uh we didn't bring that up but that may be a good transition point of Uh, talking about the safeties. Uh, I definitely saw him play a a couple of snaps at deep safety while you had Elliott and Clark. Uh, Usually one of them was blitzing, if not both, Uh, but they would both play closer to the line of scrimmage, and then you have Gilchrist on the back end. He didn't let up any big plays, so uh, as far as I'm considered, um, I think he did a fairly decent job.
1: Yeah, he did, and uh, activating him allowed the Ravens to have a little little bit of flexibility with uh, Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith played a little less safety in this game and a little more at cornerback. So um, I think that's something to look at going forward, just uh, how the Ravens are going to be shifting Jimmy uh, around now that you got this guy as well.
0: I think one thing that's kind of fascinating
1: about him is that he is a
0: player that would be on the Ravens, I I would say, uh, only in this year. Because of the changes to the COVID rules and the practice squad, you can have a guy who's been in the league for 10 years on your practice squad. Usually, You can't do that. <laughs> so, uh, that's kind of an interesting meta logistical note about how this guy has been able to hang around the team for so long. I also want to talk about the two safeties that started the game, Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott. Both were, uh, big contributors, got sacks. Um, Clark even had an interception that was taken back because of an offsides by Judon. That was the biggest thing that he, uh, needs to clean up. He had two offsides in the game. But overall, the back end, proving that they can hold down the fort without that guy, uh, Earl Thomas, who is still without a job.
1: Yeah, I mean, Chuck Clark this year, he just continues to pick up where he left off last year, proving that he was worth that contract extension and that he wasn't a one-year wonder. And Elliott has come in. He's had a lot of flash plays yesterday. A big sack where you had both him and Clark blitzing the same gap uh late in the fourth quarter from the right side. I thought that was a cool a cool blitz that Wink dialed up. There was a reason that the the vets respect this guy and and sided with him when Thomas was was out of line. This guy can play and he's got such a high football IQ and it's really I think when the season's said and done yeah, you're going to look at the defensive MVPs for this year, it's going to be Clark, Humphrey, and Campbell, in my opinion. Those guys have, are just the foundation of what so far, aside from the Kansas City game, has just been one of the best defenses in the leagues to start the year.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, guys like Queen, I think, could maybe have more in terms of the stat sheet, but at, at every level, I think you're absolutely right, Peter. Like, those guys are the foundational pieces. And you know, a lot of what Clark does, I mean, we've talked about this all last year of just him being so versatile, such a high football IQ. He's just one of those guys of like he doesn't have to be in a single position. You can put him anywhere on the field and he's gonna have some success on it, right? You see Clark blitzing, not only do you see him blitzing, you'll see him kind of being like a blitz spy, so you like we'll blitz for a bit, go back into his own. Or maybe he'll fake a blitz and then go back, or maybe he'll just play deep, or maybe he'll play man to man. He's just he's good at almost everything he does. He's not one of those guys who stands out on the stat sheet so much but because he's such a versatile piece he's just ex- so extremely valuable in this defense
1: yeah I think a great example of of a play where where Clark has a, a huge impact on it but isn't going to get you anything on the stat sheet was that interception by Peters it was really made possible by Clark just able to, to get in between the guard and the center and just stick his arms up in front of Burrow and and force him to make that throw high and early. And there was no way when once that ball left, that 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 ball wasn't in the vicinity of A.J. Green at all. But, you know, if Clark isn't a bit late on that blitz or if he doesn't raise his arms, then Burrow has a chance to make that a little more of an accurate throw and that might not be a turnover. So there's a lot of other plays like that throughout the game. We could give a lot of examples. But I think, like, if some Ravens fans haven't, Maybe don't really realize how good Clark is because once again he does not going to get the the flashy stats week in and week out. Just just take a couple plays per game and just watch what he's doing. It's you know really fun to watch this guy.
2: Yeah, I think it's awesome just to see that. From I mean, he, he's a vet in the NFL. I mean, he's been here for I think this is his fourth year, but he's still a relatively young player. I mean, I would expect this from guys like uh, Calais Campbell. He's been in the league for. Thirteen years. I mean, he is a long time vet, and he knows that he's on the back end of his career. And he's, you know, he's one of those guys who will literally do anything that he can to help the team win because that's all, like, that's the only goal that he has left. Is like he wants to win a Super Bowl. He's done everything else. He's Walter Payton Man of the Year. He's been on some really good uh, defenses in his career. He's made it to the Super Bowl, but he hasn't won one. Right. And so for those guys, you can expect them to do anything the coaches asked for. You tell them to jump off a bridge, like they're gonna, they're gonna do it, right? 100 percent in it. But Clark, I mean, he, he's only a fourth-year player. I mean, he, he just got his recent contract. and You just, I feel like you don't see this sort of like selflessness from players like this. You'll see players sometimes like they get their contract, they want to make it all about them. But like, it, I think it's pretty rare to to see a, a guy like this who is just so young, who just, he just kind of like gets it.
0: Well, that was awesome. The defensive performance was definitely the highlight. We usually don't start with them because the offense with uh, Lamar, we're always excited to talk about that, talk about all the points we scored. Uh, but man, this caption is pretty damning. <laughs> Lackadaisical Lamar. Ooh, <laughs> not the best game for Mr. Lamar Jackson. I have to say, I wonder if him being out of practice for uh, most of the week and dealing with an illness, etc., had anything to do with it, but he just did not look like himself.
1: Yeah. It seems like a lot of uh, Baltimore fans, Baltimore sports pundits are wondering the same thing if the limited practice time meant he wasn't as sharp on the game plan. Um, How serious is this knee injury? Obviously, he was able to go out and play and throw for two touchdowns, but he did make a lot of errant throws that we just haven't become accustomed to seeing this guy make. One of them did result in an interception. There were a couple others where if the ball was... There just a half second later, uh, the Bengals might have gotten a pick there as well. So hopefully this isn't a trend, and hopefully this is just because short practice week for Lamar and he's learning how to push through whatever this this nick to his knee is. But it certainly was not a game that I would say was in the top half of what he's shown with his career. I mean, the guy won the the league MVP last year. We're gonna be critical of him when when he turns in an effort that we know he could have played better.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, this is not a bench Lamar movement. That's insane. Like it, it's just pointing out that he definitely had one of his worst games of his career. Um, not sharp. Like you said, I mean, he was staring down uh, Mark Andrews, which we kind of blame him for in previous weeks, but I mean, Mark Andrews made a, a great defensive stop. We should add him to the defensive MVPs. Like he was about to throw another pick there until he batted it out from behind I mean, just a horrible ball. It was kinda of frustrating. I also I noticed when I was on Ken's show last week, he mentioned that uh Lamar has been having this tendency of uh doing a fake handoff to the wrong side. Like the running back's not there. <laughs> and uh I didn't realize it until he mentioned it, but I saw it a couple times uh just yesterday where um you know they're trying to do like a read option, but there's <laughs> there's no option because <laughs> the running back's running to the opposite side. I don't know who's on the wrong page but it, it doesn't look great you know
2: <laughs> yeah i haven't figured out who to attribute that to but it, it has happened for a couple of games now you know in, in general uh, you know I, I think lamar you know i think he said it he's not going to tell you that the reduced practice time you know made him any worse because he's a professional you know if you're a professional you should know how to prepare even on limited time but uh you know I, I think it's part of it is just that of like hey man like you need the reps to be able to perform well in games right it's You know, you can do all the mental preparation you can do. You can, he can understand the game plan. Like, I don't doubt him for that. But like the physical reps, you probably need to just, you need to make those throws, right? You need to have the chemistry with the people and the the more you can do, the better. You know, overall, I, I think it was probably just amalgamation of that. And then kind of what we've seen for the first couple of weeks of just, we're not really sure what this team's offensive identity is. And I think Roman's still trying to figure it out. We're getting a few new wrinkles every game getting a little bit more of uh, an adjustment in terms of snaps. I think DuVernay played a little bit more this game. I think the running back snaps were a little little bit changed as well. You know, for me, I think that's kind of just what this combination was of, of just a little bit of that. I don't know. What do you guys think?
0: Well, your bold prediction came true. They scored in the first three drives, and then they got quiet for a while. And I think that's okay because this game was never in doubt. They quickly made it a three-score game. And I think they were doing a little bit of experimentation. We did see Duvernay on that really cool reverse get a huge amount of yardage. And I was talking to correspondent Kfish about it. And he was like, yeah, whenever you see Boykin all the way to one side and then we run, like, appear to be doing a run to the other side, the reverse is definitely in play. Because then Boykin throws in a great block, you know. <laughs> Several yards down the field, it's like always so cool to watch how this guy will keep competing and keep blocking and pushing his defender until the whistle blows as far as he can push him. That was a cool wrinkle to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, DuVernay, we know he's got the speed that jet sweep was blocked perfectly and and Boykin's block in particular extended DuVernay another 12 yards it looked like after, after he got past that cornerback. And Duvernay had two receptions this week, which I think is a career high for him. So maybe that's a sign that, you know, the Ravens are listening to this podcast and they're going to give him some more <laughs> opportunities in the offense, but we'll have to see. I will say, if you watch some of that film yesterday of the Eagles versus the Steelers, and we'll get to that in the next episode when we have our guests on, it did look like uh, the Steelers had some success with, with Claypool in a very similar role. So a little. The guy had
0: 39 <laughs> fantasy points.
1: well I mean on the jet sweep I think only one of those three touchdowns was Uh, was on on the jet sweep but yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it was definitely good to see
2: him more involved in the offense Dobbins was at some point too I I think the the run that he had was absolutely brilliant but he's definitely clamoring for more snap share well but yeah it's 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 tough man it's just it's really tough to figure out like again like what the identity of this offense is like you know who are going to be the guys that we're going to lean on because right now it just it seems like there's we haven't really figured out who those guys are outside of the same two guys Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown I mean they were the the top two receiving threats in in this game Lamar frankly I think was was dialed, dialed into those guys but we got to see some more weapons open up and we got to see like which running back are we going to lean on because right now it's just kind of like Everybody's sort of like mixing in here and there, but it just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like things are clicking as they did last year. But I will say, you know, I was looking at the schedule for 2019, and I think the thing that stood out to me, to to give me a little bit more context into how the Ravens are this year, is that really, I don't think the Ravens really turned the corner and and became like the 2019 Ravens until maybe about like week 9 or week 10. So if you guys remember, I think the Seattle game was week seven, and we were all very surprised at that game. I think the game before was against the Bengals, and it was a pretty close game. I think it was uh, 23-17. Then we went into the Seattle game. It was a fairly hard-fought game, and it was one of the, you know, best victories I think that the Ravens had had all up to that year then there was the bye week and then week nine was the uh, Patriots game and they also continued what they started two weeks prior and then I think it was the week after that when some of the blowouts really started the Ravens were just taking over games and so I think it was like week 10 to like week 13 there was like three blowouts in a row and you know now we're I mean we're week five in 2020 we still we came off a 27-3 to game. I mean, that's, that's a blowout right there. And even though things aren't clicking, it's still early in the season. So I'm hoping that give it another week, give it two weeks, then things will hopefully start to click a little bit more. We'll f- figure out what that rhythm is, figure out who the guys are going to lean on, and then I think we'll see where it takes us from there.
0: That's a really good point, Chris. I'm really hoping you're right that the Ravens start finding a way to click, but you, uh, you did your thing. You mentioned that, that magical word Dobbins. So here I come with my Dobbins, uh, <laughs> content, uh, K fish got a oh little boy. bit of a, <laughs> a preamble. Okay. So, you know, I've been clamoring for more Dobbins. I, I'm telling you guys, it's not about fancy football. It's legitimately, uh, just, I think he's an electric player and, the parallels with, with Ray Rice are just ridiculous. I mean, both were picked fifty five, both were twenty seven, both had a great veteran running back in uh Ingram and then McGahee for Rice, kind of in the way, right? And then I'm looking at uh at Ray Rice's like stats for the year. And he had uh four hundred and fifty four yards rushing on one hundred and seven carries, thirty three receptions for two hundred and seventy three yards. And uh, you know, Dobbin's a little under that pace right now. But not too far off. Now, now let me let me remind you guys. The next year, he had a, a Pro Bowl year. He was two thousand yard player with thirteen thousand or thirteen thousand. That'd be ridiculous. Thirteen hundred <laughs> <laughs> yards on the ground and seven hundred yards in the air. But I, I guess let me put it to you this way. So, if you take the first five games of Dobbins's production, you're getting sixteen carries for one hundred and twenty-six yards, nine catches for seventy-three. That's a really like heavy day for a running back to have that many touches. So let's get rid of yesterday's game where we thought he looked actually maybe one of the better games he's had all year. You're talking about 15 carries for 92 yards uh, because one of them was a 34 yarder yesterday and then six catches for 51 yards. I I take that too. So like I'm looking at this guy. I know it's not fair to say, oh, you know, four games of production, that much wear and tear on him. You can like add those together. But I think he could be a really productive back if he was the only one available. I'm not saying we need to use him that way, but he seems to have all the intangibles to be a really exciting back. I don't know. I was a little, like, I'll just do my my Dobbins thing today. I do it like basically weekly now. I'm just like, <laughs> what is wrong with us not using this guy? We have Edwards, like, splitting out wide. I don't understand why. We never we never passed to him in that situation. Like, I, I don't really understand what they're doing from... The personnel perspective. I understand trying to be deceptive, but it's not deceptive. Like I've been watching the Ravens all year, and if Edwards splits out wide, like he's not in, the, it's not in the play. <laughs> I, I really, I don't know what to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. There's promising signs with Dobbins. There's promising signs with Gus and with Mark as well. I, every Ravens fan is just wondering, you know, what's really going on there. But I think what you do have to look at is yesterday as a team. The Ravens did 161 yards on the ground, 6.7 yards per carry. Now, granted, some of that was was boosted by a 42-yard run by DuVernay and a 34-yard run by Dobbins. But still, you got to look at that as an effective day rushing the football. And maybe this by-committee approach where everyone gets eight carries and and that's your day is... Is going to work in a high-profile matchup coming up and maybe it's just keeping everyone's legs super fresh and come November and December, the Ravens are just going to be rushing over everyone for 250 yards a game. I don't know, but yeah, just circling back to Chris's point, I'm so glad Chris brought that up because I think one thing we got to look at with the Ravens and the offense not looking quite as, as on fire as it was during that second half period last year is that the Ravens probably peaked too early last year. They had all those games where the offense was just exploding. And then last four weeks of the season, the Jets game excluded. Jets game doesn't really count because it's the Jets. The offense really was not as effective, not as efficient going into the playoffs. And then we saw what happened there. I think the coaches are aware that the season is a, is a marathon and not a sprint. And you know maybe there's some plays that they're still holding back for later in the year. Maybe they're keeping a keener eye on keeping guys fresher. I don't know. It's, but I I think I have enough faith in the coaching staff to think that there's a long-term plan that, as fans, we're just not seeing all of it yet because there's wrinkles to it that are going to get rolled out as the season goes on. Do I have anything to really base that off of just besides a hunch? No, but I think oh. we've got a, a very... We've got an excellent coaching staff here. You know, I, I was hearing on on the radio driving home. I won't say what radio station it was, but someone was was ragging on how Greg Roman hasn't called a good a good game all year. I think that's a little strong. I think that we got to look at these games and the Kansas City game. It's outside of this. Ravens are scoring. You know, at least twenty seven points a game. They're doing well.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you, Peter. And I think like it's one of those things. You score 17 points in the first 3 drives. You're going against a team that hasn't proven they can move the ball. All they can do is go backwards, right? Like you're not going to try any harder. Like that's it. Like don't don't waste any of your good plays. Don't don't do anything too crazy. Yeah, I I can't be too upset about it overall. I 100% agree with both of you that I think the best is yet to come. And that's not just being an optimistic fan. I think it just makes sense. Like as the team begins to click more and get more reps together, they should get sharper. And we have no reason to believe that these are uh, you know incompetent coaches. It's the exact same staff that did so much for us last year. I still believe in them. I think everyone on the show still believes in them. So I, I was telling Kfish, like I think our ticket to the playoffs is essentially already printed. I'm not trying to be, like, ridiculous here, but just truthfully, like, do you really see us not making the playoffs? And then anything can happen. We've seen the Ravens win as a sixth seed, right? So all I want to do is see gradual progress all the way towards the playoffs. And that's it. Like, and then, you know, obviously you would like to, quote-unquote, do it earlier and prove that you're, like, this dominant team. But realistically, uh, they just need to do it in the playoffs. (laughs) So yeah, um, I'm not too worried. I'm just... I'm waiting for those those critical games in January, February, March. Uh, whenever they decide to be played because COVID just... <laughs> April. <laughs> running rampant <laughs> through the league. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I think Peter's point about peaking early, I think, it was, it was, a, it was a great point. I mean, yeah, it was awesome. It was an awesome feeling being 14-2 and two last year, but you know what wasn't awesome? Losing to the Titans in the divisional round as a number one seed. That was not awesome. So... Yeah, I'm like if if this is a long play to just keep everybody healthy and to figure out like, okay, we're gonna ex- experiment, and as long as we're winning, we're gonna keep experimenting with this offense and figure out what we want to be, and then we're gonna start to peak closer to January. I'm totally fine with that as long as we win some playoff games. <laughs> so it is way too early for any of us to <laughs> to leave this team. I I, I am frankly a, a little bit surprised. I think that how some people are just extremely upset with with where the team's at which is one of the reasons why I had to look at the schedule last year is I think I, I had a little bit of that myself but also I just I needed to look at that to kind of temper expectations a little bit and and really I just think back to what you guys said of just like we can't peak too early things are going to be fine the, the Ravens were kind of in a similar position last year in 2019 and you know I, I think there's there's no reason that they can't get better especially with how the defense is playing they're playing phenomenally better than they were last year
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean we're four one instead of three and two the defense yeah. is way better than they were last year i mean all yeah everything's trending up we're just
1: super duper spoiled <laughs>
0: that's
1: right yeah <laughs> 15 and one is still in play that wasn't the case this time last year
0: yeah and the chiefs got <laughs> hurt you know they uh they lost a game so uh we're right back at it with them you know that was exactly what we needed thank you uh las vegas uh raiders the check is in the mail <laughs> All right, before we get to our MVPs, we got to talk about one last thing. Sam Cook, congratulations. Yesterday, you tied Suggs' record for most games as a Raven with 229 games. So, next week, you will get the record. It'll be all yours. And you can keep playing with us for as long as you want, man. It's all good.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Don't jinx him. He could come down with COVID and then. Oh, my God. That'd be so
0: annoying. <laughs> could you not jinx him? <laughs> He's the most socially distant player too. He literally lines up 17 yards back before he lets off a kick.
1: Oh man, that's true. Man, if if a punter gets COVID on any team, just just cancel the season. <laughs> yeah. Man, that would be that would be absolutely
2: unbelievable. But no, I, I, can't, I can't wait for that interview. Somebody's going to ask him, like, how's it feel to have the franchise record for most games played? And he's like, oh, it's awesome. But now it's awesome as my perfect passer rating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. With my MVP, it has to be pretty obvious. I was wearing his jersey all game long. Marlon Humphrey, Money Marlowe. Dude, if you keep this up, you're definitely going to be Defensive Player of the Year. Remarkable last two games after getting your contract. One of the leaders on the team. I think everyone looks up to him and it's so cool to see a defense loaded with leaders again. It's reminded me of the good old days with Suggs, Ed Reed, and Ray Lewis just all there commanding attention. Uh Haloti Nada, you know like just an unbelievable amount of talent is on this defense and critically
1: they're all leaders. Certainly a great pick. Uh Marlon Humphrey certainly deserved that. I'm going to give my MVP award to guy who had One sack, one tackle for loss, one pass defense, four quarterback hits, and five total tackles on Sunday. Mr. Permanell McPhee, welcome back to the NFL. Best game he's had in the NFL since 2014. It's great to see McPhee turn the clock back and have an excellent day being all over the place yesterday. Yeah, definitely another
2: good pick. I think for me, this maybe is just an obvious pick here, Mark Andrews. I feel like... (laughs) Outside of you and Hollywood, man, the offense would have definitely had uh, not as good of a day. Uh, I know that Lamar likes to uh, dial it in on you sometimes and maybe look your way a little bit too often, but there's some games like yesterday where you just, you perform, you just catch everything, and uh, those two touchdowns were uh, sorely needed in this game, and uh, I'm just glad you're Raven, man. Mark Andrews, when you're, when you're hot, man, like... <laughs> like you're one of the best tight ends of football it's just it's amazing the the connection that uh andrews and lamar have just just awesome so honorable mention i think to, to Judon. since you mentioned mcphee i wasn't going to mention him but uh uh his his effort i think was was definitely noticed
0: yeah and congratulations to hollywood not getting tackled at the one yard line again uh he actually got a touchdown so <laughs> that uh the guy has had two Scores uh, almost, you know, already this year, getting tackled at the one yard line. It's great to see that he finally was able to catch a one yard dagger uh, and and call it good. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening to Ravens recap. As Peter alluded to, we're about to hop on the call now with two more people to talk about the Eagles game. Both Phil and Alex, very passionate about their team. Uh, We're really looking forward to hearing their takes on what the team's up to this year and how they might be able to challenge the uh <laughs> whatever you want to call the ravens hot ravens uh cold ravens <laughs> however you're feeling about the ravens we'll be talking about that soon we'll see you later in the week